if we go over here and we see the Lord's Prayer, what's happening here? As a model for prayer, the first thing is worship, right? Uh, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now remember, as a, as a, as a model for prayer in the Lord's Prayer, Father, right? Um, this is relationship. This is intimacy. Um, this is a theme through this text here too. When you and I stop and we're about to pray, and I, this helps me so much when I do this. Say, okay, right now, I am a son of the king. I am praying to my father who is in heaven. I mean, we sang today, good, good father. Like if you really believe that, it starts to turn some stuff over in your heart. Well, a good day to you all, and welcome back to Live in the Light. We continue to be so thankful for you and the support of our listeners. Hey, in fact, before we dive into God's Word today, I just want to encourage you that if God has been encouraging you through the messages and the teaching here at Live in the Light, then honestly and with all sincerity, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to us at one 844 light That's one 844 light Or drop us a line on our website at Live in the Light. All right, now with that important word being said, let's dive into God's word today. We are in the middle of a critical teaching series here at our program. We're calling it House of Prayer, and it deals specifically with just that, prayer. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but prayer seems to be one of the easiest things to do, and yet my heart and my mind muddle things up so often. It's supposed to be easy, but I make it very confusing. It's supposed to be just communication with the Lord, but I make it so messy. I think that's one of the reasons why in Luke chapter 11, the disciples of Jesus asked him one day, Lord, teach us to pray. It's Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer and one that we think will challenge us all today. All right, again, Luke 11 is our text today. And here now is Pastor Robbie with today's message. So there's no secret this church, we're passionate about corporate prayer. Here's why, we're just trying to be obedient. We're just trying to be obedient. Like this is, this is evidently the model of the prayer of prayers that is to be done and for one another as sons and daughters of the king, as people belonging to the church of God. I just want us to believe in the power and the beauty and the blessing. And honestly, again, this is no secret too. We're trying to make these gatherings right here. We're trying to make these gatherings more and more kind of prayer meetings. And I hope, and I hope on some level, some of us are like, well, that's a, that's a little bit stretching. Yeah, it's, but it's awesome. Why? Because look, look, look. It's who we're supposed to be. So many different ways we can do this. But to understand that God uses prayer and how powerful it is and for one another, and I'm just praying more and more, we're growing in this and we're not afraid of it. But we embrace it. And remember, even with the opportunities right now, we will recognize, man, my, my flesh doesn't want to do it. All the more reason to do it. Satan's so terrified, all the more reason to press in and to step out of our comfort zones and to say, God, Father, hallowed be your name. Give us this day our daily bread. And also notice the corporate nature of the Lord's Prayer here. Remember our challenge of this series? The challenge of this series is each time you come into the building for um, a message or for a service in this series, 
the challenge is to pray with or for someone before you leave. That's the challenge. Some of you have done that already today. Bless your hearts. And I just, I just continue to say, man, God, will you lead me to be able to pray? For, can I pray for you? Can I pray with you? The ability to pray with someone before you leave the building today in order to love other members in the body of Christ. And then hopefully, I mean, that would become, imagine that happened all the time, like just an ongoing, this desire we wanted to do that. Every one of us, we came in, we would seek to be praying with someone or for someone. Man, that'd be just so beautiful, wouldn't it? It'd be so powerful. So what I wanna do now is I understand that the overall point here, my inclination must be to pray. When we come to the Lord's Prayer now specifically, um, we've taught on this in the past in great detail. So I'm not looking to be exhaustive at all because I just don't have time to do it but I want to just break this down into four main categories as a model of prayer. But I want you to see this right now, okay? So if we go over here and we see the Lord's Prayer, what's happening here? As a model for prayer, the first thing is worship, right? Uh, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now remember, as a, as a, as a model for prayer in the Lord's Prayer, Father, right? Um, this is relationship. This is intimacy, um, this is a theme through this text here too. Again, when, 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 when you and I stop and we're about to pray, and I, this helps me so much when I do this, say, okay, right now, I am a son of the king. I am praying to my father who is in heaven. I mean, we sang today, good, good father. Like if you really believe that, it starts to turn some stuff over in your heart. Like my perfect heavenly father cares for me more than I can ever imagine. And now, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Just, just the word Father. I mean, can you really believe you get to address him as Abba Father? Really? Really? Like with all our sin, all our, all our gross sin and stuff that just, you know, just, but he looks at us and loves us and has cleansed us and we get to call him Father and you get to address him in prayer and he listens to you as the perfect father does to his child? Really? Yep. You address him, Father, hallowed be your name. A hallowed reverence, awe, veneration, worship. The prayer begins of the seeing before we run to the requests. Hallowed be your name. So the model of prayer is worship, and by worship is worthship. Literally. The worth of God. You 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 tell him how worthy he is. Hallowed be your name. And then we see this next, the next part of the Lord's Prayer, a kingdom of God, your kingdom come, okay? Daniel Henderson says this, not all prayer requests are created equal. Meaning, sometimes we pray things, or all, I think all prayers are legit, but some prayers are less than others. So are your prayers kingdom prayers? Or are your prayers kind of non-kingdom prayers? Are they your little kingdom prayers? Or are they actually God's kingdom prayers. One of the best ways we find out if our prayers are kingdom-centered, here's a quote, it's right here. He says this, John Bryson, if Jesus answered all of your prayers in the last 30 days, would anything change in the world or just your world? That's good. Stop, pause, apply. Think about that. What are we asking for the Lord? And if, if we got everything that we're asking for, would it be our little kingdom that is being transformed? Or would it actually be God's kingdom beyond for the gospel in this world? You know, your kingdom come, that is a prayer for Jesus' return now. But it's also a prayer that your kingdom be established here and now until you return. 
Let's see people saved in Christ. Let's see marriages restored. Let's see the lost found. Let's see reconciliation. Let's see the gospel go forth. Let's see churches planted. Your kingdom come, O God. Matthew 6 says, on earth as it is in heaven. So our prayers must be kingdom focused. God's kingdom. We go back to this next. We see this dependence, right? Give us this day our daily bread. Physical dependence. When this prayer in the ancient world, when this was being said, man, daily bread was legit. And I always say this too, when when we're praying this, discipline yourselves, loved one. When you open the fridge today, do not take for granted that there's food and water in there. Like it's powerful to open it up and be like, I cannot believe. Like, like, like sometimes I open our fridge, you know, and you just see a variety of things that are in there. And I find myself, I just saying, I just go, wow, praise the Lord, or thank you, God. Or I just, I even, even to myself, I will not take this for granted. I refuse to think that's normal to open up a fridge and to have a variety of options. To see a pantry open and to see sustenance there that we might live. I just, I mean, it's just, it's grace. It's God's provision. You didn't earn it. I didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. It's powerful to look at the simple things of life and to say, that's my daily bread by the grace of God and his provision. But then we say, forgive us our sins. That's spiritual dependence now. That is like the gospel. The gospel's in the Lord's prayer. And forgive us our sins as we forgive others. The, the, the forgiveness we received in Christ, God, we depend on you for this, that we would extend that to others as well. So like models of prayer, worship, kingdom of God, dependence, and then we see the last one here, protection, deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil. Why? Well, you know, lead us not into temptation, it says in Matthew 6, deliver us from evil. Well, because the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So lead us not into temptation. Again, in this passage, Matthew 6, deliver us from evil, it said there. That's so important. These are categories that you can take as a model for prayer. And I suggest to you, you start unpacking these four categories in a prayer and you start with, with worship for the, for the Father and kingdom. And I mean, I bet you could, you could roll off 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes like that. You could stand in front of your fridge and pray for 10 minutes probably now, right? Thank you for my specialty coffee, Lord. Thank you for the carrots in the corner. I mean, whatever. It's just, it's just so powerful to recognize all. My inclination must be to pray. Moves us to number two. My invitation now, loved ones, is to be persistent in prayer. My invitation is to be persistent in prayer. Look at verse five. Again, loved ones, watch the progress. Every section is prayer-based. It's one growing on top of another, okay? So the Lord's prayer notice leads into this, verse five. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend, Jesus is a really good preacher, so now what he's doing is providing illustrations to back up what he just commanded. Which of you as a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, Jesus says, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, notice that, that because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. So this, this little parable has an unexpected guest coming at midnight. It's quite something. Now, the guy's probably his friends traveling at midnight. Commentators speculate because it was cooler to travel then. 
his supply of bread is gone and he goes to his friend's house. So if, if, if a visitor in the ancient days, when, if a visitor arrived at your house and you had no food, that was like unthinkable. Like it was unthinkable to not provide something for a guest when they came. So he sees this. He's like, wow, I need something. He goes to his friend's house and says, hey, hey, I need three loaves. I need three loaves. Funny, last, um, last week it was Thanksgiving and I was at my, my sister's place and she moved into a new place with her family. She's kind of north of Barrie up there. And first time I was there, but we were um, preparing uh, the dinner. When I say we, I mean really my mom and dad were. And uh, they were trying to make gravy and uh, realized we had no flour. And so um, kind of look around and say, maybe we should go ask one of the neighbors. That's the first time I've ever been there or whatever. I'm just going to listen to that and say, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll go, you know? So, and it's a street and the kind of house is a little farther apart, whatever. So I just found myself with this little kind of like, you know, um, measuring spoon thing, whatever, kind of walking across the street and uh, Sunday afternoon and went to this house. These people were kind of doing a thing and knocking on their door. And, uh, you know, they don't know me from anyone and just like, hey, uh, I'm Robbie. My sister lives over there. And do you have any flour? <laughs> and they were super nice, man. They were, they were super nice. And they gave, they gave you flour and just kind of like knocking on the door and just say like, we need your help and going back over. And the gravy was great. All in favor of gravy? Amen. Yeah, so good. So good. So that was worth the trip, right? So anyways, that's really what's happening within our text here. But listen, the older man is already in his bed with his children and anyone, which is common in these days to have um, a whole family with one room house. A one room house. That was very common. Another reason to be thankful, loved ones, all that God is, we're so blessed, aren't we? It's ridiculous how much God has entrusted us with. Just ridiculous. So if you're a parent and you're sleeping with your family in a one room house and your kids are asleep, what's the one thing you don't want to happen? You don't want to wake up. You know, when the kids wake up, man, you might be getting no sleep for the rest of the night. So parents understand this, right? The guy's like, no, 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 man, my kids are sleeping. Leave me alone. I'm not getting up. But the friend's persistent. He will not give up. The man finally relents. He gets up and he gives him bread. Notice again, verse eight. Verse eight says, it's not his friendship that wins the day. Jesus explicitly says it wasn't because they were friends that the guy got up. The reason he got up is because he was being annoyed to the point that he knew if he didn't get up, his friend wouldn't stop. That's profound to me in terms of the lesson that Jesus is teaching on prayer. He's inviting, he's explicitly inviting us to be persistent in prayer to the point. Literally, literally, uh, impudence here, persistence is shameless. Without modesty. It's a rare Greek word that's combining all these things together. There's a boldness, but again, there's a shamelessness here. And it's the shame. He's like, he's like, he's like, leave me alone. I'm going to bed. And the friend's like, nope. I need bread. Go away. My kids are sleeping. The guy's like, I'm staying here until you give me bread, brother. And the guy's like, fine. I'll give you bread. And Jesus says, I mean, this is what's amazing to me. This is how we are to pray. In case you think that we're kind of misinterpreting this in some form, look at verse nine. Jesus again, he's, and I tell you, ask, watch the progression, it will be given, seek, and you will find, knock, and it will be open to you. And just in case you missed that, verse 10. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, 
it will be open. Now remember, verses nine and 10 follow verses five and eight, and verses five and eight follow verses one and four. Jesus is building this powerful thesis on prayer. And he's telling us right now, really he's saying this, if you come to my house at midnight and if you keep asking, Jesus says, eventually I will answer. If you keep seeking me, if you don't give up, you will find me. If you keep knocking, my door will be opened unto you. And Jesus looks at us, look right here, look right here, look right here. Jesus says, how serious are you about prayer? Is it a one and done? Jesus seems to be saying, I'm looking for those who believe by faith and will keep knocking and believing by faith that the persistent form of prayer, the shameless approach in prayer will be found with God opening the door. Remember this too, right? I think it's very important. Persistent prayer doesn't change God. It changes us, right? Like when we really press into the Lord, our character starts to change. Um, our faith changes, our dependence changes. We change in the process of depending upon God through persistent prayer. We find out again a lot of what we're made of. The progression, see this, okay? Ask, ask, right? So you stand there and you're asking something. Seeking, notice, that's, that's more than that. Seeking's now, okay, now I'm walking towards, I'm pursuing, and then knocking is I'm here, let's go. That's the progression there. There's, there, there, there. there's an increasing fervency of petition. Ask, seek, and then let's go knock. I love that too. You know, um, the reality of this persistent prayer. There, there are souls in this room right now that are alive in Jesus Christ because people have not given up praying for you to the Lord of glory. Like, that's just a fact, man. There are people all over this room right now. You are alive in the Lord Jesus Christ because people loved you enough. They would not stop knocking on the door of heaven for your soul that you might be saved from death and hell. I mean, that's humbling. I remember like when I got saved at 22, I had a pretty dramatic conversion, man. It was night and day. And I remember standing up at the church we belonged to at that time and I gave my testimony and I sat down and I had some lady in front of me. She turned around and she says, you know, I was in your mother's prayer group and we prayed for you for years. And I was like, thank you. You know, I'm just like, like, that's humbling, right? You're just like, wow, like, you know, and there I was like living my own life for so many years and such a moron and doing all things I want to do. And there's this group of women and my parents specifically praying and praying and praying and praying and praying and praying and praying. And I'm still an idiot and still doing so many dumb things and still living for myself and praying and praying and praying and praying. And then bam, Lord enters in and everything changes in a moment. And then you're left to look around and go, what just happened, man? God heard the prayers of his people and by his grace, he set them free. It's awesome. Don't you give up your loved ones that you long for. Don't you give up. God help us to believe. Again, look at what Jesus is telling us today. You can't miss it. He's inviting you and I to persevere and persist in prayer to the point that I want to suggest that that actually bothers him. You see, we're getting that. Well, the New Testament evidence, Luke 18, the persistent widow, and in the text, again, Jesus teaching on prayer, he says, 
in this illustration, because this widow keeps bothering me, this is the judge talking, because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice. And then out of teaching that, Jesus says this in Luke 18, he says this, this is his whole point. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? Look, look at what Jesus is saying. Pick up what Jesus is putting down. Consider what the New Testament says about persistent prayer. Here's another verse. He says this, be constant in prayer. Another verse. This is my verse this morning in my readings. I'm so encouraged. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful with thanksgiving. Another verse. Pray without ceasing. There's a bit of a theme developing here, eh, loved ones? You know, the Lord's telling us something. Here's another verse. Uh, Ephesians 6. Praying at all times in the spirit. Love that. With all prayer and supplication. And then that verse continues on. It says this. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all. The word all is used four times, all in regards to prayer. Apparently, the Lord has a few things to say about persistent prayer. Love it. Love it. Hey, what are you praying for? What are you praying for? You've given up a long time ago? It's time to be renewed. It's time to be renewed. Love the story of uh, Bartimaeus in the Gospels. He's a blind man. This is, Lord, make us like this. And he hears Jesus is coming and he cries out, Lord, have mercy on me, son of David. And the people around him are like, be quiet. Be silent. They rebuked him, it says. And then the text says, and he cried out all the more, Lord Jesus, have mercy upon me. And Jesus is like, get him, bring him over here. Let's get this done. Awesome. Be quiet, man. Stop praying so much. Be silent. Who are you? I'm someone who believes in the power of prayer. I'm going to cry it all the more. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. I will not give up. Powerful. The inclination must be to pray. My invitation is to persist in prayer. And thirdly, and I must be honest, probably my favorite. My incentive, number three, my incentive is the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, look at the flow of the text. Lord's Prayer, the parable on persistent prayer, and now he ends this prayer section with this right here. It's amazing to me. Look at how he ends here. Verse 11. Notice the theme of Father from the beginning to the end now. Our Father in heaven, now watch. What father among you, this is almost humorous, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent, Right? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. So like, Jesus teaches this. I'm sure some of the listeners, there's some kind of kids around here listening to this. So they're like, you know, like, what kind of dad? He asks for a fish, gives him a snake. Like, they're kind of laughing. Oh, who would do that? Let's go down. Or he wants an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. <laughs> oh, Jesus is so funny. You know, that kind of stuff. But look what he's doing here. Verse 13, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Let's just, we got to sit on this for a second. No decent father in the history of the world would throw a snake at his son. No decent father in a sane mind in the history of the world when the son's like, hey, dad, can I get some breakfast? Yeah, here's a scorpion. Good luck. No one would ever do that. No one would ever do that. And Jesus' point here, he's just like, oh, and you might see a footnote beside verse 11. 
In verse 11, if a son asks for a bread, a father would give him a stone. So that's, that's, that's taking directly from Matthew 7, a very similar passage there. Hey, dad, can I have a piece of bread? No, but here's a stone. Chew on that. No father's going to do that. No decent father will ever do that. Um, think, of, think of as a parent, or again, all of us have come from parents. You're a parent type. Think of when a child is in need, when a child is seriously hurt, when a child desires help or aid or provision. And as a parent, what rises up within you is you want to rush over and to provide, to meet, to care, to help, to heal, to be there as the protection of your child. You will step in front and you will gladly take the hurt if you can spare your, it's just innately within us as human beings. But here's the thing with human beings, we are sinful. We are innately evil. That's what he says. If you then who are evil, if you who are evil, you know how to give your child an egg as opposed to a scorpion. If you know that, how much, see what the text says, verse 13? How much more? How much more? How much more? How much more? How much more will an infinitely perfect heavenly father of all glory and goodness, how much more, how much more, how much more will the heavenly father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask? How much more will the heavenly father, how much more, how much more will the heavenly father, and notice notice what Jesus adds in here, will give the Holy Spirit. Greatest gift ever. By the way, in verse 13, this isn't the person of the Holy Spirit meaning like salvation, regeneration. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. How much more will the Father give the power, the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Asking, seeking, knocking. Why is the Holy Spirit everything in our lives? Let's just do a little Bible study on the Holy Spirit here again. Love this so much. The Holy Spirit is the one. Think about this, okay? He's the one who regenerates us. He's the one who brings new life. It's 100% him, 0% us. The Holy Spirit caused to be born. The Holy Spirit sanctifies us. We have a role in this, but at the end of the day, the Holy Spirit is the one who puts to death the sin in our lives. The Holy Spirit does that. The Holy Spirit's the one who teaches us the word. He illuminates us. He allows us to see, open the eyes of my heart. The heart, eyes of your heart might be enlightened with spiritual wisdom and understanding. The Holy Spirit's one who powers us for gospel witness. Uh, you will receive my spirit. You become witnesses for me and power of the Holy Spirit in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Uh, there's more here. The Holy Spirit is the one who is our teacher and guide and comforter all through John 14, 16. We don't stand a chance without him. The Holy Spirit, the one who brings assurance of salvation. He's the guarantee of our inheritance. That's the Holy Spirit, his role. The Holy Spirit helps us to pray, Romans 8, when we don't know what to pray with groans that words cannot express. The Holy Spirit helps us to pray. He fuels us in this way. And of course, the Holy Spirit bears his fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5. Loved ones, we don't stand a chance apart from the Holy Spirit. I'm just amazed at this passage in Luke 11. Lord's Prayer, the parable of prayer, and then we end with this. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? 
I mean, if you want to heighten your prayer request to the Lord right now, I think the Lord just gave it to you and to me. Some of you right now, you're fighting through sin. You are caught in sin. You are being ruined by sin. The Holy Spirit is the key to your victory over that sin. Some of you are so weak and so tired. Some of you are so frustrated. Some of you are just kind of groaning. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives you strength. Some of you right now, man, you're just lacking the knowledge you wish you had or you're just so confused and frustrated. The Holy Spirit is the one who's your teacher. The Holy Spirit is the one who comes and fills. Some of you right now, you're so burned by relationships. You are there and you are just being caught off and you're so sad or so angry. The Holy Spirit is the one who comes and turns your heart away from blaming to the one who allows you to see the sin in your own life, but to see the brokenness and the grace and the repentance and the renewal and the restoration to God. And the Holy Spirit is the one who does that. The Holy Spirit is the one who comes and comforts us in our grief. Without the Holy Spirit, we, we have no chance. Thanks for listening to Live in the Light today. If you'd like to hear this message again or any messages in this series, visit us online at liveinthelight.ca. That's all for today. Join us next time at Live in the Light.